Everyone has a story, whether it's triumph over illness, compassion during a time of need, or even having the strength to say goodbye. This is Spotlight on You, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Here you will find stories from real patients, family members, and friends who have had a remarkable experience they'd like to share. We hope these stories inspire you and remind you you're not alone. Welcome to the Spotlight on You podcast. Today, I'm joined with Maybelline Hicks, and she's going to share her story about fighting breast cancer. And again, it really just reinforces the importance of listening to your body and not letting signs go unchecked. And, you know, if you have a gut feeling something might be wrong, you know, go for it. Um, But thanks so much, Maybelline, for coming and being willing to share your story with us today. Thank you, Katie, for uh, taking the opportunity to speak with me. Uh, I'm really delighted to inform women, and hopefully my story will be one to help them deal with their challenges of breast cancer. Most definitely. So I know a little bit about your story, and I know it started with just symptoms of feeling a cold. So you want to start there and kind of tell us what those symptoms were, maybe how long they lasted, and when you thought, you know, I should, I should look into something else. Actually, it was uh, probably around December of 2016, I started to have uh, a cold, symptoms of a cold, and it started with just a simple cough. And, you know, my husband said, you know, that cough, you really need to check that cough. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, I, it's just a cold. I'm tired. I had just completed uh, grad school, and I just figured my body was run down from the long commute to New York, five and a half hours a day. Uh, That'll like, get you, know, you down. Four days yeah. a week. And I'm like, okay, my resistance is down. Uh, I'm fine. I'm good. And January, the cough did not go away, and I thought, you know, <clears throat> Maybe I should just go out and uh, see my PA. And I went out to see my PA, and uh, he gave me a checkover, and he's like, okay, you you're, you seem fine. Your lungs are clear. Uh, you don't have a temperature. You look great. Okay, you're good. And I thought, okay, I'm fine. It's just a cold. And as I walked out, uh, he said to me, you know what? Let's just take a look at your lungs. Why don't you go for an X-ray? And I was like, for what? He says, you know, I want to look at your lungs. I said, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't feel like taking off my clothing again. I really don't want to do this. And he says, no, go next door and get an x-ray. And I thought, oh, okay, I did. A few hours later, I get a phone call. And he says to me, I see something. And I'm like, what do you mean you see something? He says, when's the last time you had a mammogram? And I said, oh, Dr. Tring, I had a mammogram like three months ago, like in September. It's just January. It can't be that long. He says, no, I want you to get this checked out. And I said, okay. So I made an appointment to go and have um, an ultrasound with contour contrast. And I go over and I get the x-ray. And I'm thinking, it can't possibly be anything. The next day, I get a call from my primary care physician. And he says, we suspect you have breast cancer. And I'm thinking, you know, you guys have surely made a mistake. This can't possibly be. I've been getting mammograms for like 20 years. This is not possible because they would not have missed it, surely. And I said to him, I had the 3D, so it's not possible. A long story short, he called me in the next day, which was a Friday. And um, he said, I need for you to sit down. I'm thinking, for what? And I looked at you know, my primary care physician, Dr. Tring, and he said to me, it's true, 
it's there, it appear have the appearance of being malignant and could be aggressive. Well, I almost fainted. Yeah. I oh I I was just in shock and disbelief. And he says, Well now I need for you to contact um Ocean Medical. Uh they're very good. Go and see you need to go see a pathologist and have a sample taken so we can discern which stage it's at. I called in they agreed to have me to come in and see uh, Dr. O'Connor, which was the pathologist that did the sample. And a long story short, he called me a couple of days later and he says, well, Maybelline, uh, this is Dr. O'Connor and it is malignant. And that, again, that just kind of like knocked the breath out of me. I'm like, yeah. you gotta be kidding me, uh, Dr. O'Connor. He says, yep. He says, don't worry, uh, we're going to help you find uh, a breast surgeon. You know, we'll, we have capable people here, but uh, you want to get a second opinion. And that's one thing I like about uh, Hackensack Meridian. They didn't say, come in, oh, we'll do it. They were like, we will help you. We want you to get a second opinion. You know, always seek for a second opinion. And I thought that was like so refreshing. Um, and I said, okay, let me just go online and look at breast surgeons. Let me just see what's there. And um, there were two surgeons uh, put before me, and I selected Dr. Yolanda Tamaro. I looked at her profile on, uh, I Googled her actually, and then I looked at all the breast cancer specialists in this area. And it was something about Dr. Tamaro's uh, persona. It was just this, her smile, the warmth that she exuded from her profile. And I thought, I'm going to try her. Maybe I'll check her out. But I did seek a second opinion from another doctor. And then I also sought uh, a third opinion from uh, a breast specialist. And I ended up coming back to Dr. Tamara. It was just something about her. So shortly thereafter, uh, maybe two weeks thereafter, uh, I was called in for a consult with Dr. Tamara and uh, Dr. O'Connor and she informed me that they had a new program that would be um, really, I would be an ideal candidate for because of my age, my height, my, you know, the way all of the stats that would go into having, uh, it's called a contura. I could uh, have a treatment of radiation for one week, twice a day, but I would not need chemo. And I so dreaded having chemo and I already started to think about the side effects that would be a part of my healing process. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be so sick. Oh, I don't even know if I can do this. I have to be honest. I went really dark for a minute. And I kept thinking, you know, it was a nightmare. And three days before my surgery, I prayed. The good news in all of this was they said, you're stage one. It's not going to be as horrible as you thought it was. You don't have to have a mastectomy. We can do a lumectomy and just remove the lump, you know, that particular cell. We don't have to, like, remove a breast. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that was my story. And I had great care with uh, Dr. Tamaro, uh, Dr. Miller, which was my radiologist, and uh, Dr. Levitt, my oncologist, a great team of people. That's pretty amazing. And you kind of illustrated the mental journey you went through from finding out, okay, this is what's happening. I have cancer to then even just right before surgery, kind of 
letting it go and saying, okay, you know, if this is mm-hmm. what's meant for me, this is Absolutely. what's meant for me. It's amazing. I guess anyone who would get a, a diagnosis, how would you advise them if they're diagnosed with cancer? Like what ultimately got you through? I think the first thing is we are in denial. That's like the first phase. It's like denial that, that, that can't happen. That's not me, denial. But I would say to them, the sooner you come to terms and accept the findings that scientific and medical from your doctor, you need to get a plan of action in place and know that it will be okay. And cancer does not change your character or the character of who you are. It will make you stronger. Certainly there will be side effects from it, but it doesn't really change who you are inside. That's my belief. I would just say to any woman out there, please don't self-diagnose. And also I would say pay attention to the small stuff, the cough, rash, if you get like a, a mold. Yeah, I had a little tiny thing on my leg that I'd scratched. And I had gone to the dermatologist for it. But again, I was like busy and I didn't have, and in my mind, it's like, I don't have time to get that checked. It's probably nothing. Maybe it was a mosquito bite, you know, and I, I would just say, never say it's probably nothing because it's probably something. Do you mind sharing how old you were when you were diagnosed? I was uh, 62. 62. And you yeah. said no, no history of cancer of any kind in your family. Uh, with, I, I learned later that one of my aunts did have cancer, but that was uh, my father's side. And they did the whole genetic profile, and I I didn't fit the profile. For anyone who gets that kind of news, it's going through the journey like you had. You have mm-hmm. your denial, and it's anger, it's but eventually you I have to. I was mad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to hit hope, because mm-hmm. if you don't have hope, then. Hope. Yeah. Ah, Katie, that's the key. It's having hope. Yeah. You have to have hope and keeping the faith. And you do, you, you're denying it, and then you get angry. And then people want to help you. I found in my case, it was like my family wanted to do everything for me. And I'm like, you know what? And I even said to my, my husband and to my sister, you know, I'm taking my power back from you guys because you guys are taking my power. It was like everybody wanted to do stuff for me. Like, should you be standing? Should, shouldn't you be in bed? I'm like, no, I should not be in bed. I should be doing exactly what I'm doing. And yeah. you just have to um, assert yourself. And say, you know, don't let people take care of you when you can do things on your own. Yeah. It's yeah. out of kindness, but you wanted to maintain mm-hmm. as much normalcy as you could, I'm sure. Absolutely. So the the cancer was removed and then they implanted the, it's a balloon mm-hmm. that then targets radiation to the specific area. Is, is that right? That's correct. It's called the Contura and it's a lumen balloon. And what it does... Um, it's flat when they insert it. They make a small incision in the area where the cancer was discovered. And they go, when you go to your um, breast surgeon, which was Dr. Tamaro, she implanted the balloon. And thereafter, which I had to go and visit Dr. Uh, Miller, the radiologist, and he will check, you know, just to ensure that it's in the right area. They do, of course, uh, the x-ray and they put you in this machine, and I always said, I'm going in the tunnel again. You know, I have to go through the tunnel just to make sure it's in place. And what they do is they put radiation, and my radiation was maybe, I think it was um, seven minutes twice a day, like 9 o'clock in the morning, and then I would come back again at 2 o'clock 
for uh, seven days. And you did that for a week or it for was... For one week. Okay. For one week. One week. And I guess after going through that, I'm sure they did checks to make sure that it was... Oh, absolutely. Was um, and... What you do is when they put the balloon in, um, you can't take a shower. So you have to be, you have to be okay with taking a, like just a bird bath. You have to be really okay with that because they do tell you it's going to be in for one week. And you can only wash around that area and you have to uh, change just the gauze if you should have, let's say, a leakage, uh, <clears throat> a drainage with the surgery. And, you know, that's a little bit cumbersome. And you have to wear a special bra to keep it housed because you have these, um, it's like three little um, tubes. They're actually three tubes that they insert. That's It's a part of the balloon. And you have to keep those three tubes housed and they're running around your side and they're enclosed in the bra and then you use this big pad to hold them in place. Uh, it's not the most comfortable bra, but again, do you want to have radiation twice a day for a week or do you want to go for chemo for six months? So it's like, okay, what do you want to do here? Yeah. You know, you have to make that decision. And for me, it, I think it's uh, breast cancer and I think they refer to that catheter as breast cancer treating you from the inside. I think with this, the scarring I had, maybe it would be four shades darker than my complexion. I can live with that. It's like, yeah, I can do this. So after you had treatment, um, I guess, how did you feel physically? How long did it kind of take? Do you feel like you're back to where you were or? Well, yeah, I, I feel that I'm getting there. I really do feel that I'm back. Um, I'm, I'm coming back like two weeks afterwards. I was like, okay, I'm ready to start writing. I'm ready to, and I really did start working on the tops and working on the bra. My husband was like, no, you need to stop because you're standing too much. You're lifting and you don't need to do that. I've spent a great deal of time traveling the last two years. That's been my, that's what I've done for the last two years, but it's also collecting stories and sharing my story around the world where I've traveled and I've met women and I'm sharing my story with women all over the world about breast cancer and how they need to get checked and don't take it for granted. Um, every trip I go on, every country I land, I talk, I make it a point to spread the news about breast cancer. And most of them I, I talk to, they go, oh, you did have breast cancer? I go, yeah. So in reference to your answer, Katie, I believe that I am back. Um, is it a reminder? And I think one of the things with breast cancer, even though you're stage one, in the back of your mind, that little person in the back of your head is always saying, well, I can come back, you know. <laughs> and I think that's the one thing I live with. And I, I just go, okay, I'm not going to go there. You start to think, because I do meet people, and it did come back. I'm like, oh, my God, what if it comes back? You know, and you have that down-sinking feeling like, oh, my God, what if it comes back? And I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself that you cannot live in a place of fear. You can't. You can't. So I think I'm back. Yeah. And I'm working. Uh, I'm working from home. I do. I still do certain uh, consulting jobs. So, yeah, I'm back. That's awesome. And 
it's terrible in the moment when you have those obstacles and challenges but mm-hmm. it seems like you've really taken that and turned it around and said okay no I'm in charge and I'm that's right you this. have to be in control Katie right. you hit the nail on the head you have to be in control of your thoughts and your emotions and you know being a survivor you cannot afford to sit there and let yourself go dark and I always say those are the negative forces trying to take me in a dark place and I will not go in a dark place Especially when you have, I, one of the things I said in an article I recently did um, about Dr. Tamara, she's a light in a dark place. And in the dark place of cancer, you have to always find that bright light. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, submit your ideas to hmhforyou.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, be well. The views expressed by our guests solely belong to them and are not necessarily aligned with Hackensack Meridian Health. We thank you for joining us and hope the stories of our patients have inspired you and comforted you.